Father, we just want to thank you so much for loving us. We thank you for the time we could come together and study your word together. And Lord, we know that this is a very um, difficult subject. And we just pray for your guidance today of the Holy Spirit. In Jesus' wonderful name we pray. Amen. So we're going to look at introduction part one. We'll be in five parts. And uh, today we're going to look at the introduction part one. And we're going to look at the background of some of these guys who've actually been in the Adventist church and have left the church. So I've titled this particular meeting, this series, Facing the Critics. Because that's exactly what's happening. We're going to face the critics. You know, by the way, every wind of doctrine is blowing, yes? Is it blowing in the church today? Our church? It is. You know, the storm is coming and the ship's going to go through. Do you believe that? The ship is going to go through. The ship is going to go through. Are you ready for that? Are you ready for the storm? Because if we're not, we're going to be shaken to and fro, right? We're going to be caught up with every wind of doctrine. Well, we're going to talk today about Dale Ratzliff and others who's associated with Dale Ratzliff. Have any of you ever heard of Dale Ratzliff before? Wow. Then you know what we're going to talk about, don't you? Well, let's look at it this way. You could do one of two things. You could either what? Ignore it, right? Or you could deal with it. That's the alternative you have. Either to ignore it or deal with it. And we're going to deal with it. Let me give you a little background to Dale Ratzliff. Dale Ratzliff was a fourth generation Seventh-day Adventist, SDA, and was educated in SDA schools from first grade through seminary. He pastored in the Adventist church for 13 years, seven of these years as a Bible teacher at Monterey Bay Academy at La Selva Beach, California. So he's got quite a background, yes? Dale Ratzliff has authored several books and magazines against the Seventh-day Adventist church. He is president of Life Assurance Ministries. For the past 25 years, I have studied Dale Ratzliff's books about the Sabbath. I want to start with a statement Dale makes. Very alarming statement. Dale Ratzliff says, Many SDA pastors no longer believe in a number of the unique teachings of historic Adventism. However, most hold their views in private and share them only with trusted associates. Many years ago, when I conducted a seven-month study of the Sabbath, I felt no compulsion to persuade any of you to change your beliefs concerning the Sabbath. However, thank you. However, now that many years have transpired, and I have restudied this subject, and have received hundreds, probably many thousands of phone calls, letters, and emails from both current and former Sabbath keepers, I now feel I must share with you my deep concern. I also know that there are many SDA pastors, college and university professors, and some administrators and evangelists, both currently employed and retired, who have communicated with me that they do not hold many of SDA's unique teachings, including the Sabbath being the seal of God, or the testing truth for the last days, Sundays are the mark of the beast, 
1844 Sanctuary Theology, the writings of Ellen White as a continuing and authoritative source of truth, or the Adventist church being the remnant church of Bible prophecy. That's alarming statements there, isn't it? But see, how much, very key question here, how much of not believing does it take to be something else? It's a very important question. It's very simple. If you don't believe it, go be something else. It's that simple. Not complex. It's that simple. These people, he says, need our prayers. On the one hand, they want to be loyal to their church. On the other, they are seeking to help the church drop its cultic, historic teachings and move the denomination to a Christ-centered solo scriptura organization that focuses on the pure, simple gospel of Jesus. Now, how can these people remain in the church that he just spoke of with honesty, integrity, and most of all, the truth? Listen to this. The mission of Life Assurance Ministries is to proclaim the good news of the new covenant gospel of grace in Christ and to combat the heirs of legalism and false religion. It is with deep regret and sorrow that I now feel compelled to include the Adventist church in the kingdom of the cults. I believe Dr. Martin. Any of you ever heard of Dr. Walter Martin? Dr. Walter Martin? He was um, an apologetics Christian research person who pressed the issue with Adventists of being either a cult or not a cult. And uh, he said this. He said, I believe Dr. Martin had already made the change. See, Dr. Martin died many years ago. He died many years ago. And right before he died, uh, Dale's referring to that right now by saying, I believe that Dr. Martin had already made the change in his mind, but died before he could make the change in print. Listen to what he says. Ellen White did not invent erroneous theology, but she cemented it into the foundation of Adventism. The writings of Ellen White support and are often the chief support for all of their unbiblical doctrines. Most Adventists who tell, evang uh, to tell evangelicals they no longer believe in the investigative judgment or other heirs of Adventism will not publicly renounce these heirs. Now, I want to suggest there are several um, books written in response to some of these things. Okay? For example, Marvin Moore wrote an excellent book. You need to get a copy of that if you can, called The Case for the Investigative Judgment. So I'm going to give you a few little resources along the way that you could actually look at, okay? By Marvin Moore, The Case for the Investigative Judgment. Excellent book on the investigative judgment. Then uh, Judd Lake wrote a book called Ellen White Under Fire. This is a, a good book. There's several. Ellen White Under Fire by Judd Lake. 
Then, of course, Bakayoki wrote a few responses in his books in regard to Ratzliff. He wrote The Sabbath Under Crossfire and The Sabbath in the New Testament. <clears throat> then, of course, Clifford Goldstein wrote Graffiti in the Holy of Holies. He deals some with Dale Ratzliff. And there are a few others that do too. They deal with Dale Ratzliff. But the main thing we're going to look at today is people who have been Seventh-day Adventists and have left the Adventist church. One such person is a woman by the name of Colleen Tinker. Have you ever heard of Colleen Tinker? Colleen Tinker, she's the editor of Proclamation Magazine. <clears throat> she works with Dale Ratzliff, and she's the editor of Proclamation Magazine. And so they've got uh, issues coming out. Now, my churches, what I tell my churches to do one of two things. Either you throw it in the trash or give it to me. And we haven't had no problem with these guys. Think about that. Throw it in the trash or give it to me and I'll take care of it. You see, the issues here, proclamation, are targeted specifically for Adventists in the churches and in their homes. The mailing list includes Adventist pastors and we're talking around 30-some thousand. Okay? The mailing list includes Adventist pastors, elders, deacons, and even lay people in the churches may get it in their mailbox. They get a hold of a, a directory and your name's on it, they'll send it to you. Now listen to what Colleen says. She says this, and again, she's the editor of Proclamation Magazine. She says this, The Bible, after all, hadn't been the only source of our direction to leave the Adventist church. Now we've been taught as Adventists to believe the Bible, right? A red flag should go right up with that statement right there. Red flag. To resign our positions with an Adventist publication, a well-known Adventist publication, and to join Trinity Church. The Holy Spirit had done that directing. Did you notice what she says there? The Bible, after all, hadn't been the only source. But the Holy Spirit directed her to leave the Adventist church. That's dangerous, isn't it? Why is that dangerous? Because the Bible says so. Notice what the Bible says. Now the Spirit speaketh expressly that in the latter times some shall what? Depart from the faith. There are going to be those who will depart from the faith. Now listen to what John says. Beloved, believe not every spirit. Right? But what are we to do? Try the spirits, whether they are of God. That's exactly what we're going to do. So the question we would ask is, what are the beliefs of these former Adventists? What churches do they belong to? That's a good question, isn't it? What churches do they belong to? Well, Colleen, co-authored and contributor with her husband, Richard, they wrote, have you ever heard of Rose Publications? You could pick them up in Baker Bookhouse. You could pick them up in our own bookstores. ABC. Rose has got a whole series of different topics. Well, she and her husband co-authored this one right here called 10 Questions and Answers on Seventh-day Adventism. And you can find it in Baker Bookhouse and some of these publishing and uh, Christian bookstores. You can find it. What's interesting, because the guy who is the editor of this is a man by the name of Paul Carden. He's the editor of this particular Rose publication. And Paul Carden was an associate with Dr. Walter Martin. If that tells you something. See, Paul Carden, 
Paul Cardin is the executive director of Centers for Apologetics Research. Paul has devoted over 30 years of his life to cult-related research. So he was an associate with Dr. Walter Martin. Now, Paul Cardin is an authority and spokesperson in many of Dale Ratzliff's conferences. I've actually been to his conference before. And this right here is where Paul Cardin, matter of fact, this is Paul Cardin. This doesn't show up very good on this right here, but here's where he's at right there. That's Paul Cardin. Now, Paul Cardin had wrote uh, in uh, Dale Ratzliff's book called The Truth About Adventist Truth. That's something, isn't it? The Truth About Adventist Truth. Now, listen to what Car uh, Cardin says in this book. Many current Adventist leaders from all levels of the SDA denomination have been in communication with our ministry and have encouraged us to keep doing what we are doing. That's dangerous, isn't it? Something's wrong there, don't you think? Most of these people are aware that there are many embedded heirs in Adventism. Nevertheless, they remain in the SDA church for one or more of the following reasons. Now, I'm going to give you the reasons that he says. And right here they are. Number one, to help Adventists understand the gospel. That's interesting, isn't it? Number two, to change the church from the inside. Number three, to stay for job security and retirement. Or number four, to stay for family and reputation. These people wish to remain anonymous and we will grant their request. Not one of those is a good reason at all. Do you agree? None of those are good reasons. None of them. You see, the problem would be, wouldn't this be deceptive? If a person belonged to a denomination or a church that they didn't believe it and teach? Yeah, that doesn't make any sense. No sense at all. It's very simple. The reason you belong is because you believe it is the truth. That's why you belong. There's many here that your family members aren't in the church, right? I'm the only one and my wife's the only one in our family. You see, so truth makes all the difference. And for a Christian, that should be a, a core desire in your heart to want to know the truth of God's Word. So why belong to something that you believe is not the truth? To me, that's deception. Listen to what the Bible says about that. Come out of her, my people. If you're into something that's not the truth, why would you stay there? doesn't matter about retirement. doesn't matter about family. It matters about you and the Lord and truth, right? That's where it needs to be. Why would you be a baptized member of a church that you know is teaching air? That makes absolutely no sense to me to do that. Listen to what Paul Cardin goes on to say. Well, it's interesting to note that, you know, that they, they are respecting their anonymity. Right. Therefore, you do not have to provide proof of statement. Right. That's dangerous. Right. 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 
Paul Cardin goes on to say, <clears throat> thousands of former Seventh-day Adventists. What does he say? Thousands. Now see, to some of you that may not be a big thing, but I'll tell you what, if just one of those thousands, just one, was your family member, it would be important, wouldn't it? Just like what happened in Waco, Texas. You know, people talked about Waco, but listen, if one of those people would have been your relative, it would have been very serious, wouldn't it? Very serious. He says, thousands of former Seventh-day Adventists who have made the transition to the simple gospel of Christ and have become Bible-only believers. Now, that's a key phrase many people use today. But in order to check that out, we need to know the Bible to check that out. Right? And you're going to find that a lot of these people who use that terminology, Bible-only believers, aren't really Bible-only believers. It's like you said just a minute ago. Believe it, because they say so. Well, he goes on to say, and have become Bible-only believers, have expressed to us the joy of the freedom they experience in Christ. They have a deep desire to help free others from the bondage of Adventism. This is what they teach. So the question we ask, are Adventists a cult? You know, really, friends, it doesn't matter what they say. What matters is really what does the Bible teach? Sometimes these kind of things ruffle, ruffle our feathers, right? <clears throat> Get us all worked up. But the fact is, we're in good company. They said the same thing about Jesus. They said, remember Paul, that sect, that's cult. You know, there was a time when I first came in the church, that really bothered me, right? And I'm sure it bothers you too. But I got past that because why? When you have a love of the truth, that changes everything. Everything. There has to be a settling in of love, not just the truth, a love of the truth. Well, Walter Martin wrote a book called The Kingdom of the Cults. <clears throat> and um, a Baptist friend of mine was going to introduce me to Walter Martin before he died, but it didn't happen. And uh, Walter Martin wrote this book, The Kingdom of the Cults, as a resource material for people who are into research in cults. And he also wrote a book called The Truth About Seventh-day Adventism. I have these books. <clears throat> and he wrote this book called The Truth About Seventh-day Adventism. Now, how all this came about was the issue of questions on doctrine. It was Walter Martin and a theologian by the name of Dr. Donald Barnhouse. And they came and uh, they uh, came to the general conference and they put the pressure on us to write a book in response to some of the things that people were saying about Adventists. They came up with questions on doctrine. Well, I'm going to give you a resource to look at that will help you with this. And that's called Doctrinal Discussions. You see that book to the right? <clears throat> Doctrinal Discussions. You want to write that down. By the way, have any of you ever heard of the Clear Word Bible? Yeah. By Dr. Jack Blanco? He gave that book to me in person. We were friends. And he gave me this book, Doctrinal Discussions. It deals with the issues of what Walter Martin raised. Excellent book called Doctrinal Discussions. Now Martin goes on to say, It is my conviction that one cannot be a true Jehovah's Witness, Mormon, Christian scientist, Unitarian, Spiritist, etc., and be a Christian in the biblical sense of the term. But it is perfectly possible to be a Seventh-day Adventist and be a true follower of Jesus Christ despite certain heterodox concepts which will be discussed. And he goes on in that book to discuss some of those things. Now, based on Walter Martin's research, he concluded that Adventist was not a cult. 
Okay? Now, here's how Dale Ratzliff gets around the issue today. Because Dale Ratzliff looked up to Walter Martin. Here's how he gets the, around the issue today. Here's what Dale says. It is clear that Walter Martin saw the Adventist church slipping back into what? It's cultic past. See that? <clears throat> I believe Dr. Martin had already made the change in his mind, but died before he could make the change in print. See that? And of course, Walter Martin can't answer for himself because he's dead now. You see? Martin also said, the inspiration for 90%, that's a high percentage, isn't it? So we need to, we need to look at this carefully. The inspiration for 90% of the destructive personal criticism leveled against Mrs. White is found in the writings of Dudley M. Canwright. D.M. Canwright laid the foundation for all future destructive criticism of Seventh-day Adventism. Now, have any of you ever heard of D.M. Canwright? For those who've never heard of D.M. Canwright, D.M. Canwright had been an Adventist pastor for 28 years in Ellen White's day. 28 years. He wrote a book called Seventh-day Adventism Renounced. After an experience of 28 years by a prominent minister and writer of that faith, D.M. Canwright. Now, listen to what Canwright says. To criticize, expose, and condemn others is not a pleasant task. But when religious teachers enthrone air and mislead honest people, silence would be unkind and censorable. This is what Canwright said. Being profoundly convinced that Seventh-day Adventism is a system of air. I feel it my duty to publish what I know of it. Now, some of these guys would tell you the truth led them out of the Adventist church. Well, I'm a witness, an example to you today that the truth led me into the Adventist church. And we both can't be right. It's one or the other. So, here's a good book you could read in response to Canwright. It's on the right. Uh, it's been in different titles. One title is In Defense of the Faith by Branson. And also it's titled uh, The Truth and Reply to Canwright. And if you get a chance to come across that book, some of these books are out of print. They're excellent books. Our people need those books in their library. <clears throat> but this is a response to Canwright. Excellent work. Branson. William Henry Branson. Okay? Yep. Now, some of these you could get on a PDF file, which is really good because if you want to cut and paste and put statements in a paper and print it out and stuff like that, so you could get some of these books in a PDF file, okay? Now, the question I want to ask, has anyone here ever read Branson's response to Canwright's charges? Anybody here? You, you got that, right? It's good, isn't it? Now, you could look around you, brother, and you could see how many have really looked at that, right? You see that? And I bring that up as a point because later I'm going to come back around to that to show you why I just said that. See, here it is right now. I'm amazed how many people leave the Adventist church without reading our responses to such charges by the critics. In other words, don't jump too quick. Don't jump too quick. All these guys have been critics of Adventism. H.M. Riggles back in the 1800s, and you had Dr. Walter Martin and Ken Wright, 
Dr. Jerry Gladson. You ever heard that name before? Dr. Jerry Gladson. Desmond Ford, D.A. Carson, Paul Carden. Dale Ratzliff puts a whole lot of trust in what these people say as if this is the final word. Friends, the Bible is the final word. The Bible. So, here's what we have out of it. Ex-Adventist Outreach, a ministry of former Seventh-day Adventists. Now, Dale Ratzliff's ministry, J. Mark Martin, Colleen Tinker, and a host of others have mushroomed into an enormous amount of support for ex-Adventists. They have launched an attack on the Adventist church. Literally, they've done this. I'm going to show you what they attack. So I've titled this series, Facing the Critics. Now again, these are former SDAs. You know, it's one thing to talk to your Baptist friend on a subject, but it's another thing to talk to a former SDA that's been in the church for 20 years and leave, right? You can't, you can't bring them back saying the same old, same old, right? So we're going to learn some things to deal with in this series. Ex-Adventists. Free from Adventism. That's one thing they say. Oh, wow. I don't have to keep the Sabbath. I'm free from Adventism. <clears throat> I'm free from the Sabbath. Yeah, right. Free from Ellen White, false prophet. That's what people think. And of course, they're experts, you see, because they've been in the Adventist church, right? No gospel in Adventism. Free from the 1844 investigative judgment. Amazing. New covenant. You've heard people say, I don't have to keep the old covenant. I'm a new covenant Christian. You hear that. Oh, grace. See? Grace. And then, of course, they say SDA is what? A cult. So they say all this and more about the church. I was doing a series of evangelistic meetings one time, and uh, one of the elders in my church, his mother came to, the, to that town to visit her son, and she had been in Phoenix, Arizona, where J. Mark Martin is. I don't know if you've ever heard of J. Mark Martin. But J. Mark Martin put a whole series of tapes out in regard to dealing with Seventh-day Adventists, right? Well, she, she spread all those tapes all over town when I was doing this series of meetings. So you can imagine what that did to the meeting, right? Well, that's what they did. Well, J. Mark Martin, listen to this. This is the guy that did the tapes. He does a whole series called, Why Do Christians Go to Church on Sundays? Right there. <clears throat> now, J. Mark Martin is senior pastor of Calvary Community Church in Phoenix. He received a B.A. in theology from Pacific Union College. That's ours. And pastored for six years in the Seventh-day Adventist Church. Now watch what happens. When he leaves the Adventist church, he starts a church. Now watch what happens. Mark started a non-denominational church in 1982 that has grown into a fellowship of over 12,000 believers. And you know, we struggle in our churches on prayer meeting to get two or three people out for prayer meeting. You know? And you drive by some of these mega churches and there's thousands of people. In 1984, an invitation was extended by Pastor Chuck Smith. You ever heard of Chuck Smith out of Costa Mesa, California? He's passed away now, but big mega church, thousands and thousands of members. Friends, I'd rather be right here in the truth than to be a part of that with thousands of people. So don't compare that with our church. You see, <clears throat> Mark's teaching is an extended 
in an outreach to Seventh-day Adventists, as well as radio programs in the Phoenix area and an extensive podcast, CD and DVD ministry received by thousands each month. Now remember, J. Mark Martin was a Seventh-day Adventist pastor. Martin is quoted in Dale Ratzliff's book as saying this, Seventh-day Adventist teachings are rapidly spreading around the world. For decades, there has been a need for a clear and concisive biblical examination of the fundamental teachings of this church. Now remember, he'd been a part of it. This ready reference on Adventism compares biblical Christianity with contemporary Adventism and quickly gives the reader an understanding of the major issues and answers. Truth About Adventist Truth is a ministry tool that will equip many to meet the questions of those interested in Adventism as well as share the gospel with the, the searching thousands within the Seventh-day Adventist Church. Where? Within the Seventh-day Adventist Church. These are ex-Adventists. Do whatever they can to discredit the Adventist Church. Whatever they can. That's exactly what they do. Jeremiah Films. Have you ever heard of Jeremiah Films? They came out with a movie on Ellen White called Seven-Day Adventism, The Spirit Behind the Church. And there's a lot of misinformation in this video. A lot of misinformation. Now, if you want to look at a good source to deal with this, have you ever heard of Bob Pickles, a response to the video? Excellent book. I talked with Bob about this. And it is an excellent book. Don't jump to conclusions. When you hear something, study it out. Bob Pickle. guy by the name of Bob Pickle. It's called Response to the Video. See, uh, uh, Jeremiah Films has done stuff on Jehovah's Witnesses and Mormons and Christian scientists and that kind of thing. And so they, I knew one day they would come out with one on Seventh-day Adventists, and they did. They, they did. Another guy by the name of Dirk Anderson, former Adventist, he's got a website. And his websites, there's all kinds of websites exposing Ellen White, exposing Seventh-day Adventists and all this. But I want to tell you something, friends. They've really distorted what Adventists believe. I mean really distorted. And we're going to look at some of that through the week to see how they've done that. And again, proclamation. <clears throat> These issues are all about Adventists. You know, I was a Baptist. I received a letter one time from Jerry Falwell to go into the Baptist ministry when he started Lynchburg their Liberty University. And, and I love my Baptist friends, but I don't go back and write books and magazines against those Baptist people. I want to win them. I want to win them to Jesus, you see? But that there puts up a big barrier, yes or no? It really does. But they've written all kinds of stuff. Adventists are being attacked from all directions. So many sources are available that reject the teachings of the Adventist church. And like I said, what this class is about is preventative. Let's deal with it before it happens to us and our people in our churches. Amen? Don't wait till it happens. Discussion panels on questions and answers about Adventist teachings and Ellen White. They have all kinds of these conferences. All kinds of them. They discuss such subjects as the remnant, the mark of the beast with a host of other Adventist teachings, the investigative judgment, and their main discussion is Ellen White. I actually attended one of Dale's meetings and I was very disappointed. Very disappointed. You see, because they wouldn't want us to be on that panel. 
they wouldn't want any of us to be on that panel. Matter of fact, you've heard of Ron Dupre. Ron and I was at one of these meetings. Well, here's what's important about this. In 2013, watch this. In 2013, Dale Rastev, Colleen Tinker, Paul Cardin, and J. Mark Martin, I emailed all four of these people with one question. One very simple question. And I'm going to put the emails on the screen so you can see it. Okay? Because it's interesting, the question I asked them on the mark of the beast. All right? Here's the question I asked Dale. I sent an email to Dale. Dale, I just have one question that needs only a yes or no answer. Did Ellen White originate the doctrine that the mark of the beast is keeping Sunday? One question. Because see, they bring this up in their panel discussions. So I'm going to deal with the thing they raise. And I just asked that one question. And it's either yes or no. Either she did or she didn't. Yes? Am I right? That's not a complicated, that's not a trick question, that's not a trap question, that's an honest question. Did Ellen White originate the idea that the mark of the beast is keeping Sunday? And then I said, thanks. That's it. No reply. I've never gotten a reply from Dale Ratzliff on that question. And I'm going to show you why in just a second. So I emailed Colleen Tinker, the editor of Proclamation Magazine. Same question. I just have one question that needs only a yes or no answer. Did Ellen White originate the doctrine that the mark of the beast is keeping Sunday? Thanks. Now the point is, they're the ones that raised the issue about the mark of the beast. Okay? So I'm simply dealing with them precisely with what the issue is they raise. Correct? No reply. Now, I hear other friends of mine say, oh, they, they contact them and they reply all the time. You've heard of Martin Weber? And, and they go back and forth with Martin Weber and, and Ratzliff was going back and forth with Bakayoki. And yet, on this very simple question, I get no reply from them. And there's a reason for that. So, Paul Carden, who worked with Walter Martin, associate with Walter Martin, apologetics research expert, right? So I email Paul Carden. Same question. I just have one question that needs only a yes or no answer. Did Ellen White originate the doctrine that the mark of the beast is keeping Sunday? Thanks. Is that fair? No reply. So, I emailed J. Mark Martin in Phoenix, Arizona. Because Martin, Martin, he's got this big ministry against Adventists. And here's what I said. I said, I just have one question that needs only a yes or no answer. Did Ellen White originate the doctrine that the mark of the beast is keeping Sunday? Thanks. I got a reply from him. You're going to be shocked to hear the reply. Here it is. It, in, it evolved with Ellen White's great controversy visions. The Lord bless you and keep you because of Calvary. Pastor Mark Martin, Calvary Community Church, Phoenix, Arizona. So he says it evolved with Ellen White's great controversy vision. Do you see um, a problem with that? I'm going to tell you the problem with that. Where is it found? Why doesn't he give me the page number? Why didn't he just simply tell me where it's at? Because I'm going to show you Ellen White did not originate that very thing. Evolved. See that? You're watching carefully. Think about it. So, so we're, going to, we're going to look at this carefully. Because you're going to be shocked. This is really amazing. You've heard of the Reformation. 
the Reformation period. Well, I hope to share with you something today you've never seen about the Reformation. Watch this. In 1657, I have this entire book. In 1657, Thomas Tillam, the seventh day Sabbath sought out and celebrated. 1657. He said Sunday's the mark of the beast. Was there any Seventh day Adventist in 1657? Was Ellen White in 1657? She certainly couldn't have originated the idea that Sunday is the mark of the beast. Tillam. T-I-L-L-A-M. If you Google in his name, Thomas Tillam, you'll get the whole book right there. PDF. Okay? Do that. Very important. Because this precedes the Adventist church a long time, doesn't it? Excellent book, too. So far, uh, so far, this book is probably one of the oldest known authors published outside of the Bible that recognizes the seventh-day Sabbath would be a test <clears throat> at the end of time and would stand in distinct contrast to the mark of the beast or the tempted change in what? Times and laws by men. And that was in the Reformation. The Reformation. This predates the Seventh-day Adventist church by nearly 200 years. This demonstrates that this concept is neither new nor uniquely Seventh-day Adventist and was, in point of fact, founded during the Reformation. So the next time you hear somebody say, well, you know, Ellen White come up with this false teaching about Sunday being the mark of the beast, ask them, is she the one that originated that? She didn't. Not at all. This is a very exciting find that we believe every Seventh-day Adventist should read and be aware of. Another issue that comes up all the time is what? Pelagianism. Walter Ray. You see, when I came into the Adventist church, I had no problem with that. Why? Because who could put a copyright law on God's truth? Can a man put a copyright on God's truth? Who does man think he is? You see? And then Sidney Cleveland come along. He writes a book called Whitewashed. Sidney Cleveland, former Seventh-day Adventist pastor, left the Adventist church, wrote a book against Ellen White called Whitewashed. And it's forwarded by Dale Ratzliff. Now, there's an excellent response to this. Excellent. I happen to know a guy. I met him a few years ago. And this is just hot off the press. I think you'll really uh, appreciate it. But it's called The White Lie Soap. And this is a good response to what you just saw there by Walter Ray and Sidney Cleveland. So if you get a chance, if they have one in the ABC, pick it up. It's heavy duty. But I'll tell you what, if you don't get it the first time, that's okay. Put it down and reread it. And read just a little section at a time. You see? He's actually written two books dealing with the issue of pledgerism and how Ellen White has been accused of pledgerism and all that kind of thing. So that's an excellent resource that you could go to. Now, let's start a little bit with Del Ratzliff here. On his book, it was forwarded by D.A. Carson, which D.A. Carson is a well-known theologian all around the world. Well-known theologian. Now, this was Dale's first book. D.A. Carson over here to the right well, D.A. Carson was a professor of New Testament Trinity Evangelical Divinity School in Deerfield, Illinois, down by Chicago. And he wrote the foreword to Dale's book. 
He wrote, he's the editor of this book from Sabbath to Lord's Day. D.A. Carson is, a, like I said, a well-known theologian around the world. And this was a response to Bakayoke's book. From Sabbath to Sunday. Do you remember Bakayoke's doctrinal dissertation? So Carson and his team put together a book to respond to Bakayoke. And that was this book right here. Okay? Well, Dale Rassif relies heavily on this book. Heavily. Okay? And the thing is, a lot of these things have just simply been parroted. You know, they hear it from somebody else and they pair it on to somebody else and then somebody else. And so what I would recommend, you really study these things out for yourself. So they responded to Bakayoke's book. Well, Dale's first book gained a lot of support and affirmation. Matter of fact, John Zipporah, he said this in Dale's book. My honest feeling is that this is the first responsible book on the issues of Sabbatarianism I know of. It is thorough and scholarly, yet easy reading. You have tackled and satisfied every issue relative to the subject. Isn't that amazing? Now that's what this guy is saying about Ratzliff's book. He goes on to say, you have tastefully and honestly led the reader to conclusions based solely on Scripture. Your work will undoubtedly become a reference for all future studies on the subject of the Sabbath. Alan Crandall, he's a Presbyterian pastor. Listen to what he says. He says, I was impressed that your biblical and theological arguments have been carefully constructed. The logical flow is excellent, and at the same time, you didn't neglect the reader's need for personal encouragement and faith building. Now, Raymond Cottrell, who was the editor of the SDA Bible Commentaries. Now, that should ring a bell for us, yes? The editor of the Seventh-day Adventist Bible Commentary. He wrote uh, a part on this book right here by Ratzliff. And listen to what he says. I was shocked to hear what he said and read it. My impression is that you have produced by far the best document I have ever read dealing with the subject from this point of view. I believe you have done your best to be fair with the evidence. I was shocked when I read that by the editor of the Seventh-day Adventist Bible Commentary. Would you be shocked to, to, to read that? On Dale's book. Dr. Robert Morrow, listen to what he says. Julian and I finished reading your manuscript. We have found in it, we have found it to be highly informative, very persuasive, logical, easily readable, and scripturally accurate. We cannot urge you strongly enough to get this work on Christian bookstore shelves as soon as possible. Kathy Chick, listen to what she said. We can't give your study presentation enough praise. You have unveiled so many mysteries about the Sabbath, and it is thrilling to see how it relates to our relationship with Jesus. We are looking forward to seeing this in print, so it can be circulated and shared with friends. In Dale's second book, which also has gained a lot of support and affirmation, Dale adds and omits from his first book. So he takes some things out of his first book, and then he adds some other things. And it's very important, we're going to go, as we go through this week, we're going to cover some of those points. In Dale's third book, right here, the third one, <clears throat> <clears throat> which also has gained the most notoriety and a lot of support and affirmation. Dale adds a response to Dr. Ron Dupre. Have you ever heard of Ron Dupre? Okay. So Dale 
He didn't know what to do with Ron's book. I'm just going to summarize it for you, and I'll tell you what happened. He didn't know what to do with Ron Dupre's book because Dale's not a Hebrew scholar. He didn't know what to do with it. So he did something very interesting. He contacted Dr. Jerry Gladson, what? A Hebrew scholar. Have any of you ever heard of Dr. Jerry Gladson? Dr. Jerry Gladson is a well-known Hebrew theologian. Okay? And so when Ron wrote this book, have any of you got this book right here? Okay? Well, if you get a chance to pick it up, the ABC, and I'm not their salesperson, but I'm telling you, these are books that are very relevant to the subject. So Ron wrote a book called Judging the Sabbath, Discovering What Can't Be Found in Colossians 2.16 by Ron Dupre. So Dale Ratzeff goes to Jerry Gladson and he says, you need to write a response to Ron Dupre's book. So when Ron Dupre had written Judging the Sabbath, What Can't Be Found in Colossians 2.16, Dale published a revised edition. This is his latest he, re he published a revised edition of Sabbath in Christ and added a response to Ron Dupre by Jerry Gladson. Now, Jerry Gladson was a Seventh-day Adventist theologian. His expertise was the biblical languages. That was his expertise. Now, what Del Rastoff doesn't know, and I'm going to share with you in just a second. So Dr. Gladson, he writes this book called A Theologian's Journey from Seventh-day Adventism to Mainstream Christianity. Entire book on his journey from the Adventists to mainstream Christianity. Okay? Now, Dr. Gary Gladson was my professor of biblical exegesis. That's interesting, isn't it? He was my professor of biblical exegesis. And he left the Adventist church. Now, watch this. Does that mean now because he was a Hebrew scholar, I should leave the Adventist church? Absolutely not. So don't get wrapped up in people. Got it? And think, well, they must know, right? Because people do that. Well, they certainly, this guy was an Adventist theologian and he leaves the church. Uh, he must be right. Don't go that direction. Stick with the Bible. That's why we're to study the Bible for ourselves. Very important. Well, Dr. Gladson's associate is a lady by the name of Wilma Zalabak. Now, I know Wilma real well because we sat side by side in classes. Now, simply because she went and became Dr. Gladson's associate, does that mean I should go too? Absolutely not. Friends, I'm here to stay. Like Martin Luther said, here I stand. So in this book, Sabbath in Christ, this is revised edition. You can read it right here where he says, does the letter of Colossians refer to the Sabbath? A response to Ron Dupre by Jerry A. Gladson. So Ron copied off this section by Gladson and he gave it to me. And I, I'm writing a response to Dr. Gladson on this very issue right here. There's some problems with, a, with what Dr. Gladson said. And we're going to look at some of those things. But right here, he's written on the back cover of the book right here. Jerry Gladson, Ph.D., <clears throat> right there. I want to quote a few things by some of these guys in this book. This is the third edition. And here's what he says. 
<clears throat> for those who are troubled by the endless confusion surrounding the biblical teachings regarding the keeping of the Sabbath. Now, first of all, I want to say something right here. You know, we mentioned some of the things they criticize, for example, the investigative judgment, right? We don't have to run from that. But it's interesting because they criticize us over that. Well, listen, if they can't see the simplicity of the Sabbath, how in the world are they going to see that? Think about it, because that you have to dig a little bit more for. But the, sample, the Sabbath is very simple. Remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. You see, very simple in the fourth commandment. He goes on to say this. He says, welcome relief has arrived. Plunge into this work by Dale Ratzliff and be refreshed by a remarkable breath of research about the biblical, historical, and theological background of the Sabbath. This is a must read for anyone who questions how to interpret the Old Testament in light of the fulfilling work of Jesus Christ. Ratzliff's work demonstrates that those who rely on the keeping of a literal Sabbath have missed the Sabbath that is ours in Christ. Did you get that? We keep a literal Sabbath, don't we? They're saying that we miss the Sabbath that's really ours in Christ. That's what they say. Phil Johnson, have you ever heard of uh, Dr. John MacArthur? Well, Phil Johnson works with Grace to You Ministries, which is affiliated with Dr. John MacArthur. And he's the executive director. And listen to what Phil Johnson says about this book, Ratzliff's book. Scripture is generally unambiguous and easy to understand. It is perceptuous, yet the Apostle Peter acknowledged that Scripture contains some things hard to be understood. 2 Peter 3.16 one of those difficult topics is the Sabbath. Colossians 2.16 and Romans 14.5 and 6 suggest that confusion on this subject was a problem even in the earliest church. Over the years, much of what has been written about the Sabbath from both the church and the cults has only contributed to the confusion. By the way, friends, truth will confuse no one. What confuses truth is air mingled with truth. That's what causes confusion. Jesus says, I am the way, the... Does Jesus want anybody confused? Absolutely not. Truth does not confuse anyone. It's the baggage that people carry with them from what they have been taught that's full of error. Now listen to this. That's why I am grateful for the clarity and biblical insight Dale Ratzliff brings to the issue. Sabbath in Christ is a real treasure, a simple, straightforward, understandable digest of the best insights on a very difficult issue. Clay Peck. Now, Clay Peck was a Seventh-day Adventist pastor. Have you ever heard of Clay Peck? Clay Peck was a Seventh-day Adventist pastor. He left the church, started his own church in Colorado called Grace Place. Have any of you ever heard of Grace Place? You've heard of that before, haven't you? I actually won a couple back from Grace Place back into the Adventist church. Well, I shouldn't say I. The Lord did. The Lord. Let's, let's check, get that straight. Right. Well, listen to this. Here's what Clay says. Interpretation of Scripture correctly hinges on a proper understanding of the covenants and a crucial decision of whether to let the old or new covenant define the other theologically. I greatly appreciate the assistance Dale Ratzliff has given through Sabbath in Christ for all who are seeking a clear understanding of the gospel of grace in Christ Jesus. 
Jeffrey Drew, listen to what he says. At last, an easily readable work that untangles every link of the formidable claims of Sabbatarianism. Ratzliff has done this by laying the plain scriptures before our eyes and with great force of sweet persuasion, causing us to see Jesus as our priceless treasure. Now, can you see how some of those words really sound right, don't they? They really do. And in our last study this week on Friday, we're going to cover one that really sounds good as when people say, well, I don't have to keep the seventh-day Sabbath because Jesus is my Sabbath. We're going to cover that one thoroughly Friday. Well, listen to what John MacArthur, Dr. John MacArthur, senior pastor, Ph.D., Grace Community Church, Sun Valley, California. Listen to what he says. <clears throat> I'm impressed with the clarity, precision, and thoroughness of Dale Ratzliff's work. This book is a much-needed treatment of the Sabbath controversy. Written with intelligent passion and full of insight and wisdom, Mr. Ratzliff shows great care in his handling of the complex biblical, historical, and theological issues. This book will be a great encouragement and help to anyone struggling to understand what Scripture says about the Sabbath. Now, as I mentioned, Jerry Gladson. Listen to what Dr. Gladson said about Dale Ratzliff's book. And remember, keep in mind, he was one of my professors of biblical exegesis. And listen to what he said. Dale Ratzliff has done us a real service in providing the best all-around treatment of the Sabbath question to date. He just hasn't read my book yet. But it's coming, let me tell you. Anyway, he says, he says that his discussion is fair, even-handed, and persuasive. I highly recommend this book to anyone who... Anyone with a question about the Sabbath. Now, Phil Berber, he's a pastor over at St. Joe. And listen to what he says. Phil Berber. He says, Is the Seventh-day Adventist church just another denomination among evangelicals which, for some reason, worships on Saturday? That's what I used to believe. That's what the Adventist church would like you to think since they want to be viewed as an evangelical, but they are not. Pastoring in a community not far from Andrews University in Berrien Springs, Michigan, I was introduced to Dale Ratzliff's ministry. In reading Dale's book, Sabbath in Christ, I quickly understood that their keeping of the fourth commandment so fundamental to Adventism is not based on the truth of God's Word in any way. Senior pastor, St. Joe, Michigan. Dale makes that crystal clear, biblically, theologically, and historically. Our true Sabbath is found in Christ alone and not in the keeping of the old covenant sign of the Sabbath given to Israel, nor in the writings of Ellen G. White, Adventism's prophetess. Dale's new edition has been strengthened with additional appendix by Jerry Gladson on Colossians, which answers the Adventist's latest attempt to make the Sabbath in the verse, this verse, the Day of Atonement. Read the book. Go to God's Word. And let's get our theology straight. Joseph Thack. Now this guy was in a part of the General Worldwide Church of God. Seventh day. You've heard of the Worldwide Church of God? Well, he was a part of that. And their church split over these issues. Right down the middle. Their church split. We have to ask the question, could that happen to us? Yes, it can. We're not excluded from those things. It could happen to us. We believe, he says this, we believe the foundational texts, concepts, and ideas you discuss are thoroughly supported by the biblical witness. 
They are also clearly presented your explanation that Christ is the basis of the New Testament law. The law of Christ is excellent. Perhaps nothing is as vital to understanding the Sabbath question as the fact that the Old Covenant and the Mosaic Law must be interpreted by the New Covenant and read in a Christ-centered way. Your consistent explication of this principle is absolutely necessary and correct. I pray that Sabbath in Christ will be instrumental in opening hearts and minds to the truth of the Gospel message that our Sabbath is the eternal spiritual rest we have in our Lord. Gary Enrig, listen to what he says. Every true Christ follower wants to be among those who are described as more noble because they examine the Scriptures daily to see if these things were so. Dale Ratzliff's helpful little booklet will force many to look carefully to see whether what they have been taught is really what God's Word says. I'm so thankful that God has used Dale's ministry to bring many into the glorious freedom of the gospel that God desires for His people. Now, Esther Shu, she's a former SDA, and here's her testimony. Here's what she says. I remember trying to find Ellen G. White's teachings in the Bible, but I could never find them. I had assumed that the sermons that I had been listening to had been based on Scripture when, in fact, the vast majority were Ellen G. White's non-biblical teachings. We were spoon-fed information and never taught how to study the Bible properly. I had no idea what a concordance, Bible dictionary, or a Greek lexicon was. I was invited to an off-campus interdenominational Bible study. Isn't that amazing? That's right. Because I've been in the non-denominational churches as well. It was the beginning of the end for my old self. I was no longer being spoon-fed information as an infant, but had moved from milk to solid food of sound biblical teaching. Now, here's a new website for Adventist launch. It was launched in January by Life Assurance Ministry. That's Dale Ratzliff's ministry. And uh, what they've done in this particular ministry, I'm going to show you how crucial it is because they're not playing around, friends. They're really not. They're attacking us in every direction they can. In this particular website, all these people have contributed to it. And here's what they've done. Every one of our Sabbath school quarterlies, they're writing their own quarterly, attacking that quarterly. Do you understand what I'm saying? So when you go to church on Sabbath and you're sitting in your Sabbath school class and you're reading the quarterly and you're discussing it, these guys have written a quarterly to counter what our quarterly is saying. Isn't that amazing? And they've done it 2016, 2015, all of our quarterlies, 2014, 2013, all the way down, all the way down to 2009. So for every one of our quarterlies, they're attacking it directly directly. So see, they're not playing around. And all these people here contribute to these quarterlies attacking our quarterlies. You see, I want to know where the enemy's at. What about you? Now, some of you guys have been in the military. You don't wait to do training the day you're going to go into combat, do you? No, you train before you go into combat. Well, this is a war. You know that. A spiritual battle. So why wait till it happens to get ready for it? Right? Why not study now and be ready? 
So when these kind of people come around, you're going to be two or three steps ahead of them. Isn't that the way to do it? Absolutely. So there's all kinds of people involved in this. And my conclusion, after having studied this for 25 years, my conclusion that this group, Proclamation Magazine, ex-Adventist Ministries, is false and deceptive. That's my conclusion. False conclusions, false assumptions. Their whole ministry is false and deceptive. And we're going to go through that this week. Okay? We're going to go into... Exact, precise points. So if you're going to miss a time, miss last Wednesday, okay? <laughs> I have two principles I use. I'm, as I come to conclusion, I have two principles that I use in dealing with apologetics, false teachings. Number one, I call it the Jesus principle. You can't go wrong if you're going to Jesus, right? You can't go wrong. So we're going to go into the Bible as we come to a conclusion today. We're going to look at what I call the Jesus principle. And here it is. Notice what Jesus says. Now, they're trying to trap Jesus. The Pharisees and Sadducees, they were always trying to trap Jesus, right? Well, watch what happens. And when He was come into the temple, the chief priests and the elders of the people came unto Him as He was teaching. And that's what we're doing, right? Teaching. As He was teaching and said... By what authority doest thou these things? Now, so they asked Jesus a question, right? They asked Jesus a question. And who gave thee this authority to do this teaching? So they're putting Jesus on the spot. Okay? Now, when you get to the, these other groups like Proclamation, some of them, they're, they're going to try to put you on the spot. You know, Adventists have been in the hot seat for years, yes? Literally? Well, why not turn it around and put them in the hot seat? Don't you think that would be a good idea? Right? Because they put us in the hot seat, yes? So this is what Jesus did. Notice what Jesus did. And Jesus answered and said unto them, I also will ask you one thing. I like that, don't you? Because see, they're not expecting you to ask them that one thing. So watch what happens. Which if... Ye tell me, I likewise will tell you by what authority I do these things. So what you're doing is you're turning it back around. Let me give you an example of turning it around. Have you ever heard somebody say, well, we really don't know what day the Sabbath is. Time has been lost. Have you ever heard people say that? Mm -hmm. Now, what do you suppose would be a good question to take and turn right around and hand back to them? Well, how do you know Sunday's the day in honor of the resurrection if time has been lost? I've never in my life heard somebody ever say Sunday's been lost. Have you? Why not turn that question around and hand it right back to them? And you know, in apologetics, that works all the way through. For example, well, how do you keep the Sabbath on a round world? I had a guy say to me just a few days ago, what about the international dateline? You lose a day, add a day. I said, that's interesting. I said, I've been all over the world. I was in the Navy. And I said, let me tell you something. If you go to the International Dateline and go around it 25 times, when you stop, are you younger? <laughs> I said, now let's reverse that and let's go 50 times the other direction. Are you older? See, they don't think that way, do they? They only think one way. So turn it around and hand it right back. All right, so Jesus is saying, look, you asked you ask your question now. 
I'm going to answer your question, providing you answer my question first. Okay? Now watch what Jesus did. He asked him a very important question, just like I asked those guys about Sunday being the mark of the beast. Yes or no? It's that simple. Not a trap question. Simple question. Yes or no? So Jesus does the very thing that I'm using the principle that Jesus does. Notice what happened. Jesus asked the question, the baptism of John. Whence was it? From heaven or of men? That's a catch-22 question, isn't it? They're in trouble if they say yes, true. And they're in trouble if they say no, true. That's a catch-22. That's exactly what Jesus did to them. And they reason with themselves, saying, If we shall say from heaven, he will say unto us, Why did ye not then believe him? Right? But if we shall say, that's of men, we fear the people for all hold John as a prophet. So they were in a catch-22 position, right? That's what Jesus did. And they answered Jesus and said, We cannot tell. And he said unto them, Neither tell I you by what authority I do these things. And he went on his way. So if you have to say goodbye, see you later, go. Don't stand there and argue with them. Got it? Paul. I call this the Paul principle. Now we know the story about Paul. This is really good, what Paul does. So I call this the Paul principle in apologetics. Watch what Paul does. And Paul earnestly beholding the council. He's in front of a council, right? He said, here's what he said, Men and brethren, I have lived in all good conscience before God until this day. But when Paul perceived... So Paul's looking who's the audience, isn't he? We need to do the same thing. We need to have perception. Spiritual perception. Now watch what Paul does. But when Paul perceived that the one part were Sadducees and the other Pharisees, he cried out in the council, Men and brethren, I am a Pharisee, the son of a Pharisee, of the hope and resurrection of the dead. I am called in question. What, did that, what happened? And when he had said so, there arose a dissension between the Pharisees and who? Now watch what he does. And the multitude was divided. So see, what did Paul do? You know, when I do meetings, lots of times here's what I do. I say, listen, friends, don't get mad at me. Do not get upset with me. Take it to these guys who said it. Right? I didn't make it up. Put the documentation there. Take it to them. When I do an evangelistic series, I quote from the Methodist Church, the Baptist Church, the Presbyterian Church. I don't quote from the Adventist Church. Got it? So if there's a Methodist in the audience, don't be mad at me. Take it up with your own guy. You see? Because all I'm doing is quoting it. Now watch what happens. There's a division. They, they're divided over this. For the Sadducees say that there is no resurrection, neither angel nor spirit, but the Pharisees confess both. So now what do we have here? We have the Pharisees against who? The Sadducees. And then Paul stands back like this and watches the fight go between the two. Now, why do I bring this up? Well, here's why. Taking sides against each other. Here's how it happens. For example, Walter Martin. Taking sides against each other. Such Christians in his book, Kingdom of the Cults, here's what he says. 
such Christian leaders as Louis T. Talbot, M. R. Dahan, John R. Rice, Anthony Hokima, and I have their books, by the way, in my library, J. K. Van Bellen, Herbert Byrd, and John R. Gressner have taken the position that Adventism is in fact what? A cult system. Now that's these guys. They've written books on this. Uh, matter of fact, Anthony Hokima was a professor at a Calvin Theological Seminary. You ever heard of Calvin? He wrote a book called The Four Major Cults. And we're in that book. Okay? And um, so this is guys who say Adventists are a cult system. But notice what Walter Martin says. Whereas the late Donald Gray Barnhouse, myself, E. Schuler English, and quite a few others have concluded the opposite. So what would I do if I were using the Paul principle? I would pit these guys against each other and say, well, argue with yourselves, right? And I'd stand back and watch it. Because that's exactly what happens the way Paul did it. So here's my conclusion. Don't jump to conclusions too quickly. Write that down. Don't jump to conclusions too quickly. Somebody, one of these guys may ask you a question. You may not have the answer. That's okay. But don't jump till you get the answer. Got it? Study it out. You know, it's like when we tell these guys are doing Bible studies, we don't know everything, do we? So what do we do? We don't let it go. We just simply say, well, look, that's a good question. Let me study that out and I'll come back and we'll talk about it, right? Give yourself some time. Read what we say in response to these guys. Got it? That's what you need to do. So the bottom line is to do what? Study the Bible. Friends, if there's ever been a time we've needed to study the Bible, it is right now. Get into the Bible like you've never done before. That's what we need to do. So I'm going to give you the rundown of this week. Tuesday, part two, we're going to look at no formula evening and morning in Genesis. So when you read Genesis chapter one, you'll find that each day of creation was evening and morning. But when you come to the seventh day, you don't see evening and morning. They raise that as a point. Number two, for Tuesday, we're going to look at no mention of the word Sabbath in Genesis. We're going to look at that because these guys say, well, look, if man and Adam was to keep the Sabbath, why wasn't the word Sabbath mentioned in Genesis? So we're going to look at that, okay? Now, Wednesday, part three, we're going to look at no commandment. They'll say, well, you know, there was no commandment for man, for Adam to keep the Sabbath in Genesis, when you read Genesis. See, when we read the fourth commandment, what does it say? It's the fourth commandment, right? In the Ten Commandments. So they'll say, from Adam to Moses, there was no Sabbath because there's no commandment to keep the Sabbath. Not till Mount Sinai. Okay? Now, they'll say like this, nothing about man resting on the seventh day. Because when you read Genesis, what does it say? And on the seventh day, God rested. And so they'll say, well, if Adam was to rest, why doesn't the Bible say Adam was to rest as well? Because it does say God rested. Right? So they use that. We're going to go into that thoroughly. Now, Thursday, I added this one because this is one that people really use a lot. In Colossians, they'll say this. Have you ever heard somebody say, we well, you know that the law was nailed to the cross? They say that. Well, we're going to go into that thoroughly. They'll say that. Well, what they'll say is nine commandments were repeated in the New Testament except the fourth commandment 
the Sabbath. They use that as a very important point. Well, we're going to deal with that, okay? That'll be Thursday. And of course, Friday, part five, we're going to look that whole time period on Jesus is my Sabbath. Because that sounds good, doesn't it? Doesn't that really sound good? You know, it's like, uh, I remember Billy Graham when I was a Baptist. Billy Graham stood in front of thousands of people in a football stadium. And there was a little girl that had asked Billy Graham about her mother who had died. She was only nine years old. And Billy Graham said, oh, your mother's in heaven looking down on you right now. Now that sounds good, doesn't it? But is it true? You see what I'm saying? So this sounds good. Well, we're going to look at this this Friday. Okay, let me, uh, let me have prayer here and we'll close, okay? Let's pray. Father, we just want to thank you so much for the time we could come together and study your word together. We pray for each person here, Lord. May your Holy Spirit empower us that we may present your word in truth. Thank you, Father, for your wonderful love, your mercy, and your grace. In Jesus' wonderful name we pray. Amen. This media was brought to you by Audioverse, a website dedicated to spreading God's word through free sermon audio and much more. If you would like to know more about Audioverse, or if you would like to listen to more sermons, please visit www.audioverse.org.